everyone and welcome back to the small introvert and i am your podcaster sally and and in today's podcast of did you believe origins of a story in today's story we're going to be talking about the creation of the world according to science according to theology much more specifically to islam and to christianity uh judaism has a similar story to islam buddhism has a similar story to the science actually so just to let y'all know and what i mean by buddhism i don't mean uh chinese or japanese or korean buddhism to be more specific i'm talking about the indian buddhism as i think the concept is similar not to similar to a poetry similar to it has elements of islam it has elements of judaism so yeah so let's begin the creation of the world according to science by ram brustein and judy copper oh it's a german name now the department of physics burgunion in Beersheba in Palestine I'm not gonna be saying that name no and in Cass Ludwig Maximilian Universität München which is in München in Germany now why I'm talking about this specific topic because let's be realistic none of us actually really know how the world was created what well at least not without a mystical or a very traditional philosophical uh, answer now we all know that the universe was created in six days and the seventh was the rest however the concept of creating out of nothing is still a little bit weird i mean again in metaphysics and in monotheist theologies it is very very common to say it however in its most commonly used sense it is a, means a specification of the state of the universe at some initial time together with the laws of physics that have evolved this initial state up until today now the initial state may or may not be approximately a classical or a quantum sequence and the laws of evolution may have evolved quantum mechanical equations or classical equations for that matter sometimes the specification of the initial state is not only statistical but chosen from some ensemble of states with a prescribed probability in this case the idea of one initial state is replaced by a set of possible initial states and the probability distribution on it even when stephen hawking's describe the creation of the universe from nothing the process involves a specification of some initial conditions for the quantum wave function so in order to discuss creation we need to consider what may have been the initial condition thus the scientific meaning of creation is in fact a mathematical description in terms of the equation and initial conditions of a natural beginning or an emergence from something now let me dumb this down. Oh god. Dumb this down for those of you who do not understand metaphysics or even physical terms. Now, what this means is that the creation of the world if you know, if we pull out all of theology out of it. 
what it is. It is a evolvement or an evolution of a creation or an evolution that was already preset but a collision of other conditions or an assemble of other conditions for it to be even possible because if it was the case of an emergence of nothing that is literally impossible specifically with no changes to the rules or no changes to the laws or involvement of the law so let's say for example oh I want to create pasta but I need to have a preset conditions for me to create said pasta for example having the ingredients ready which is flour eggs oil and salt for example and also water to boil it which is to cook it then I need to have the environment, which is the kitchen. I cannot exactly make pasta when I'm actually on the railroad, right? So you have to understand in that sense. Now, even with Steve Hawking, when he described the creation of the universe, it had to have a specification of some initial conditions for quantum wave function. Because if that wasn't the case, then how? Again, hear me out. I'm talking without theology here. So, religion, get out of here. Because if we're going to be talking about religion, it's going to be a whole other subject. Because in the creation of theology, if we're going to talk about it, it's going to be more like, not why, but or how, but what is, which something is which if that makes sense. Now, I wanted to start with the scientific approach so that all of what happened would make more sense to people, if that makes sense. I don't know. So, yeah. Now, the universe, what does it contain? Actually, a lot of things that a lot of people don't know what it is. It has stars, dark matter, void. (laughs) As dark as my soul. Oh god, sorry. <laughs> uh, planets, galaxies, fragments, dust, uh, heat, cold. Hmm. So, yes. Now, the issue is that we only have 5% of the universe, at least for us in Earth, is visible. 95% of it is I'm not gonna say dark matter but more specifically non uh, non-visible matter because in that non-visible matter about a quarter of it is actually dark matter within that there is galaxies clusters planets so yeah this is the thing now here's the thing here's the kick if we have about 5% of visible matter that includes planets, clusters, galaxies, and all that, then you would see what it means, how tiny we are. <laughs> Although it's pretty funny because for me, honestly, that's like, yeah. Now. Let's talk to the hot take, which is the hot Big Bang 
model of the universe proposes that earlier times the universe was hot and dense in a dot. Then it exploded. But why it exploded is because there's two things. First, the expansions of things out things. And the second thing, which is also something that a lot of people don't know, is that as it expands, the universe is cooling off. The temperature is a measure of average velocity of particles. Now, now that I said those two rules, when it comes to hot big bang, to be more specific, consider yourself that you're wearing a a pant or a shoe that is three size smaller than your actual foot. How would you feel? You would feel like, oh, it's getting so hot and contracted. I need to bust it out before my foot would die. Before my foot would actually bust out of it and be all red and hot. Same thing with the Big Bang. I mean, at least according to science. Now, what is the proof there of the hot Big Bang model? There are three major pieces of evidence. The first is that, again, the expansion of the universe. Another significant indication of the existence of faint uniform radiation wherever we look is called the cosmic background radiation that has led to two Nobel Prizes in 1978 to astronomer Arno Pindias and Robert Wilson who have discovered it. And in 2006, John C. Mather and John F. Smooth. Smooth? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just my, my name. My, okay. Well, analyzed the observation of the radiation and found that it confirmed many aspects of the Big Bang Theory. The third piece of the evidence relates to the creation of element nucleosynthesis. Now, for those of you who would know, what the heck is cosmic background radiation? Now, here's the thing. Usually, whenever we look to the sky or to the universe, if you have telescope, lucky you mine is broken <laughs> you usually see a uniform general background of radiation now that background of generation is a remnant of times where the universe was much much hotter now the analysis of Mather and Smooth actually from the Kobe satellite showed that the radiation has a black body spectrum that is a spectrum dependent on only temperature and which today is barely 2.7 degrees above absolute zero. This fits the picture as the early universe as a glowing body that has cooled off. In addition, they found a tiny relative variation of temperature from place to place between a one to one hundredth of the average temperature. Now the average temperature is three degrees here. Now these variation give the indication that how galaxies and clusters of galaxies began to form from almost uniform universe. The Big Bang model asserts that the universe was hotter in the past. The radiation itself had to be hotter in the past. Recently, it actually become possible to verify that the radiation was hotter in the past. At earlier times, radiation was hot enough to excite carbon atoms in ways in colder radiation could not. The excited atoms are illuminated by light from a distance strong enough to absorb it as a characteristic frequency, thus giving a rise to particular absorption lines in the observed light. Huh, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, here's the thing, this theory does check out in a sense of, let's say for example you saw a shooting star, 
and I know this is really irrelevant, but if you saw a shooting star that passed by, let's say for example, like from your east to your west, there will still be, specifically if you watched it with a telescope, you will still see a remnant of heat or a remnant of absorbed, observed light. So, just to let y'all know. Huh, that's very interesting. Excuse my neighbor is uh, building. Would you stop? Oh, God. Now, here's the thing. Yeah, there you go. Once telescopes were powerful enough, these lines were detected, provided alongside our vector proof. Now, let's talk about the creation of the elements throughout... Uh, about the history of geology and specifically astrophysics. Now, the nuclear synthesis, when the temperature of the universe was 10 billion degrees, it contained a hot soup of. Uh, I, this feels very uncomfortable for me to talk about. I'm not gonna say a hot soup, but more specifically, a hot stew <laughs> of neutrons, protons, electrons, and pisterons, and light photons and neutrons. Neutrons and neutrons are not the same. Hold on. It cooled off for about three minutes, then the hydrogen began to form and heavy water, or deuterium, and after that, the helium as well, and a very small amount of lithium. This process is called the Big Bang Nucleosynthesis. It was first discussed in a paper by Ralph Alpher and Hans Bath and George Gamow in 1948. It later was improved and refined. Simple consideration allowed them to estimate the relative ratio of helium to hydrogen. <sighs> Since hydrogen was has one proton and helium has two protons and two neutrons, the ratio of their densities is determined by the ratio of the number of neutrons to protons at the time that the helium could be created. Actually, this reminds me of the game uh, Atoms, actually. <laughs> so yeah. Putting in the known properties of protons and neutrons leads the prediction of the Big Bang Theory 25% helium. This prediction is verified to a large degree of accuracy. All heavier elements, which included a larger number of protons and neutrons than helium, could not have been created in the cosmic soup. I don't like this word! Jeez! Okay. Because its density and temperature were by then too low to facilitate their creation, they must have been created later on by nuclear fusion out of lighter elements in the cores of the stars such as our sun, where the temperatures and densities are high enough, however the all visible matter in the universe is made out of the stuff, not the stars, it's literally everything, it's even us, okay? So everything that we see around us, earth, rocks, animals, even ourselves, were made out of stardust. Oh, so that means... That means that we are actually stardust. Yay! Shit, that means that also we're gonna be boiling down! Damn it. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> now, here's the thing the nucleosynthesis, which is such a big deal, specifically for me, because it means that every matter has had a condition where it was supposed to be growing. So, for example, too much heat very big densities it made only for the lighter elements 
then as the density actually was lowering as well as the heat it was even better huh that makes a lot of sense now the reconstruction the uh, the reconstruction of the early universe in accelerators huh accelerated oh my god i couldn't see the word jesus christ yes i'm going to be talking about that later on now the reconstruction of the early universe in the accelerators eh why why can i not Now, another way was to get this idea of an early universe was to try and determine the laws of physics that were relevant in the evolution of the universe at earlier times. Even try to recreate the conditions that we believed existed then and see what happens. Now, accelerators are huge machines which can smash a few hundred particles together at enormous heat and speed that allows us to realize the stream. However, Partially. A more detailed of this very vast topic deserves to have much an expanded discussion, which we can, which I will not try to research because it's it would take me three days. <laughs> now, the inflation of the hot Big Bang model asserts that the universe was once hot, dense, and smooth. From this assumption, ooh, smooth. Hmm. Oh god, sorry guys. <laughs> From this assumption, by using the known law of physics, which we can reconstruct its development into the universe that we see today. But there are a few intriguing questions. First off, why the hell was it smooth? <laughs> like, honestly, now that I'm actually realizing this after years and years of learning about this theory, why? And. At least because it was too smooth to a degree that uh, in space there are far more huh hmm. I mean here's the thing if it if universe was smooth and points in the space were actually too far from each other to a point to have casual contact yet have the same temperature I mean, again, I know it was a cosmic soup. Let's let's be realistic. It was 10 billion degrees. But still, don't you think that it should be somewhat hot and cold? Or is it just me? Hmm. Now, the second thing is, why is it old? Like, specifically, the creation of the universe. Because if our universe is young, then why the process of its creation is old? You know what I mean? You feel me? And the third one, why is it hot? Now, again, the why is it hot, I would understand why. Because the denser an object is, and the more it expands, the more it heat generates. Now, this is something that I can literally answer out of my brain, so it's totally fine. But for the smoothness, yeah, there you go. It's the accelerated uh, expansion that had this issue. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, see? The accelerated expansion has several effects. First, the effect of smoothing things out. Imagine a small variation of a flat universe. For example, it could be a blob of slightly denser radiation. Now, 
when the universe expands in an accelerated way in its volume increases exponentially so the mass so the density of the matter decreases exponentially and differences of the matter densities also decrease so the expansion itself acts a bit like an iron smoothing out a piece of cloth until it lies flat from one end to the other the second effect allows points which today are far too apart in space to have casual interaction between them and to have in casual context in the past. For instance, take two points on the grid of a blob of slightly denser radiation and expand it through all the areas between the two points we mentioned above. As the universe expands, these points grow farther apart as the blob still extends from one point to another. However, in the meantime, it goes through a much larger area of space than it did before. So if the expansion at one time was accelerated, uh, the two ends of the blob will seem to be too far from each other to allow light to propagate from an end to another. Now, acceleration ages, there you go. A spherical universe is typically small size, tend to collapse on itself in a small t- uh, amount of time. If it underwent a long period of inflation, its size would be exponentially increased so would be the time to to take it to collapse huh yeah there you go acceleration also heats which yeah now the acceleration also hides the past Uh uh-huh very interesting now here's the thing most people would be asking scientifics or scientists to prove the inflation of the big bang now unfortunately we do not have the proper prediction or even the specific specific process to prove it however inflation is a paradigm and we technically need specific condition a specific prediction to be tested and experiment we need to verify these predictions that cannot be a result of a different theory the generic predictions of inflation are already verified by experiments Spatially flat universe and a specific spectrum. Now, huh? Now, if that is the case, hold on, hold on. So, if that is the case, then the explanation of pulling out a matter of uh, the density of a matter, pulling it, pulling another object of smaller density to a bigger density through gravity. And having the diagram actually showing it like as if it was a tight blanket and an object sinking in and pulling the other closer to it huh that makes a lot of sense I know if I don't know if you've ever seen it probably not but I have I've actually studied it because I loved I adored astrophysics Uh, that was actually my dream job when I was a kid um huh that makes a lot of sense hmm so yeah now here's the thing with all of this all of this as a theory now let's go check with few things few things throughout religion as well so let's start with Christianity because in Christianity the concept is very vague. However, 
The God's creation of Earth is found in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and consists of the following seven days of creation. Day 1, light. Day 2, atmosphere and environment. Day 3, dry ground of plants. Day 4, sun, moon and stars. Day 5, bird and sea creatures. Day 6, land animals and humans. And day 7, Sabbath of the rest. Now before the creations, in the beginning God created heaven and earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness and was on the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Genesis chapter 1, 1 to 2. Yes, I can read the Bible because I read it before. So just to let you all know. Now in day 1 was the light. Then God said, let there be light and there was light. And God when saw the light, it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness, called it the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Genesis chapter 1, 3 to 5. Day 2, firmament. Then God said, let there be a firmament of the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made firmament and divided the water which were under the firmament from the waters that were above. And so it was. Now, God called the firmament heaven, so the evening and the morning were the second day. Chapter 1, 6-8 Day 3 Earth, Sea, and Vegetation Then God said, Let the waters be under the heavens, gather together in one place and let the dry land appear and it was so and then God called the dry land earth gathering together the waters he called seas and God saw it was good Genesis chapter 1 10 to 9 to 10 then God said let the earth forth grass herb yield seed and the fruit trees that yield fruit according to its kind whose seed is in itself on the earth. So it was so, and the earth was brought forth grass, herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. God saw it was good, so the evening and the morning were the third day. Genesis 1, 11 to the, three, to, to the to 13th, oh Jesus. My brain is hurting me. Hi. Day 4, Sun, Moon, and Stars. Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let there be for signs and season and for days and years. Let them for be light in the firmament of the heavens to give light on earth. It was so. Then God made two great lights greater light to rule the day and lesser light to rule the night. He made the the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on earth to rule over the day and over the night to divide the light from the darkness. God saw it was good and so was the the evening and the morning was the fourth day. Genesis chapter 1 verse 14 to 19. Now, day five, birds and sea creatures. So, anyway, I'm not going to finish it all because it's it's literally same tobacco. 
while all of this is literally written in four verses in Islam, <laughs> in the Quran. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not going to be finishing it. However, here's the thing. The creation of Sunday, which actually was supposed to be in Saturday because Sabaka is Saturday in Jewish, as well as in Arabic. I don't get it why y'all take it in Sunday. It's not Sunday. Sunday is actually the first day, which is also the day that was created, the sun, which is why it's called Sunday. I don't know. I don't know, guys, with y'all. But yeah. So the creation of the earth was created in seven days. Now, here's the thing. If we are going to be talking about, about it related to science, actually, these days are not supposed to be days. They are actually eras or aeons. As we said in science, the longer the creation of the world was, the better it was to collapse, or the better it held up against its collapse. So here, actually, days is supposed to be an era. Instead of a 24-hour day, the way we understand it. So just to let y'all know. Now, here's the thing. The creation of God... Well, not the creation of God. Oh, God. The creation of the universe from an Islamic perspective, it was actually from God alone, or from Allah, which he is the essence of this world, hence the cause of existence of anything and everything. So without him, there is nothing in this universe. The messengers of Allah have testified on this as well, from the 24, beginning with Adam, finishing with Muhammad, and passing through Moses and Jesus. Just to let you know. And also Judah. So, yes. Now, here's the thing. In the Quran, is actually he's actually mentioned as the creator and the guardian of all things. Now, a rational person would think that this universe and everything can't help, but it comes to the same conclusion. Everything is so finally detailed. The human body is one of the great creations that were actually mentioned by God. Actually, in Islam, specifically in the Quran, it's actually a quarter of it is about the creation of the human body, not the human life or the social life, which there is a lot of stories about it, like in the Quran. Next year in Ramadan, I will actually read it for you so that you would understand what I mean. Now, in the creation of God and the water and the throne, it was actually outlined in a hadith by Prophet Muhammad by Tirmidhi at that first, there was only Allah and there was nothing in the universe beside him. The first thing he created was his throne, also known as Al-Arsh, above water, hence these first two objects he created. The magnificence of this throne and the footstool the Prophet in hadith related, or much more specifically, he related the story of the creation of the of the Arsh to in comparison of the Kursi. Now the Kursi in Arabic, it's well, the common conception of the word Kursi is actually share, but in the Quran it's actually the footstool. Now, the Kursi was a smaller ring thrown in the desert. Allah only stated in Surah Al-Baqarah that his Kursi is covered all over heavens and earth. 
Hence why we can see that the Kursi is comparatively minuscule to the Arsh. So, yeah, hold on. Uh, yeah, there it is. Now, the creation of heavens and earth, 50,000 years after the pending of low. Huh? Low and Mahfouz. Ah, low and Mahfouz. Oh, God. Oh, God, I couldn't read. I mean. I mean, Loh al Mahfouz in Islam is technically the angels or the tablet, the preserved tablet that writes everything. Now, does it mean that we have it? Like as Muslims? Yes, we do. We have also two angels who write on it. Now, anyway. Now, after the creation of said uh, tablet, the story of the creation of heavens and earth commenced. Modern scientists believe that the world came in the courtesy of the Big Bang. Islam does not negate or confirm that. It is entirely possible that the Big Bang was Allah's ways of bringing the world to being. Now, in Surah Al-Arafa, in Surah Al-Araf actually, he said that he created the heavens and earth in six days. Now, some Christians believe that God created the actual world in six days. However, we offer caveat. He rested in the seventh. Now, this is not acceptable in Islam because Allah does not need rest. Rest is a necessity to humans, not to God. Because for us in Islam, God is everything and also nothing. I don't know how to explain it because now, what I mean by everything and nothing, I don't mean like, oh, he doesn't do anything. No, he does everything. He does not need dress, he does not need food, he does not even need a body. So, yeah. Now, according to Allah and his description of the formation of heaven and earth, in Surah Al-Anbiya, he directs his statement towards the believers, the disbelievers. Exactly. They were joined together as one piece and then he parted them, creating living things with water, then admonished those who failed to believe with this story of creation. So, yeah. So, here's the thing. If we are going to be talking about... Okay, this is a little bit too philosophical. Because, as far as I know, and here it is. The confirmation of the story of Big Bang in Islam is that heavens and earth were actually split after being joined as one unit then we called under them then also with the big explosion Allah turned to the sky and has been as smoke he said to it to and to the earth come together willingly or unwillingly they said we come coming together in willing obedience as the elements of the matter destined to become planets and stars began to cool and come together and form into shape following the natural law that Allah has established in the universe. Now the Quran further then states that the creation of the sun, the moon, and the planets, each with their own individual courses or orbits. It is he who created the night and the day, the sun and the moon, the celestial body, swim along all in its rounded course. Now the expansion of the universe, neither does the Quran rule out the possibility that the universe is, co is continuing to expand. As it is said, the heavens we have built them with power and verily we are expanding it. There has been some historical debate between Muslim scholars of the precise meaning of this word since 
knowledge of the universe expansions was only recently discovered. Was it actually created in six days? Now, here's the thing, in all verses, in Quran or even in the Bible or even in the Torah, it is said six days. Now, however, when you go to scholars and specifically to notes of scholars, it is said that why on the surface it might not seem similar to accounts related to the Bible, there is some important distinctions. The verse that mentions six days uses the Arabic word yawm. Now, the word appears to several other times in the Quran, each denoting a different measurement of time. In one case of a day, it was equated as 50,000 years, and that was actually in Surat Adam, by the way. Whereas another verse states that a day is in the sight of your Lord is like 1,000 years of your reckoning. I think that was in Surat Yunus, if I still remember correctly. Now, the word yom thus understood to be a longer time or an era and a yeon. Therefore, Muslim interpret the description of six-day creation as six different distinct periods or aeons of time. The length of these periods is not really specified because, again, there is not exactly a specification done by God or by Allah, whatever you believe in in the Quran or even in the Bible actually in the Bible it said six days that's it well here we at least have some description of what it is now we created the heavens and the earth that as between them in six days did any sense of weariness touch us now Allah is never done with his work because the process of creation is ongoing each new child who is born each seed is thrust into sapling every new species that appears on earth each part of the ongoing process of creation he it is who created the heavens and the earth in seven days that established himself on the throne he knows what enters within the heart of the earth and which what comes forth out of it then comes down from the heaven and what months up until it he is who you wherever you may be allah sees all well that you do. Now the Quranic account of creation is in line with the modern scientific thought of the development of the universe and life on earth. Now here's the thing, what a lot of people don't know is that Muslims and specifically those who study the Quran, uh, because not a lot of people do study it, we usually study it only one a month, not exactly delve into it, we usually just read it not actually study it so just to let y'all know now this verse these verses are acknowledged by muslims specifically those who are like me who study and study the, the mystical i don't like to say mystical but more specifically the religious texts that such development has had taken a long time and yes, see Allah's power behind it. Now, the description of the Quran of the creation in the Quran are set in context to remind the readers of Allah's majesty and wisdom. So, just to let y'all know. So, yeah, and after that, actually, uh, the creation of Adam and Hawa, which is Eve, was the same, uh, the same concept. Just to let y'all know, but 
yeah now what is the uh, what is my conclusion on all this? The creation of the universe has a lot of poetic. I know, it sounds weird because you're gonna be like, huh? It was expanded from a dot. How is it poetic? Because here's the thing, if you read the Bible, although I didn't read all of it because I got bored, because I read it too many times in my life, um, and even in the Quran, it was very poetic very poetic because we know that we have one creator whoever he may be whoever who you believe he may be actually I know it's Allah for me so that's what I believe that's what I do you know now what a lot of people don't know is that the creation of the universe was only set as a testament of his power that's all it's not really oh it's it's a big thing oh like literally there is a verse that said وقد خلقنا الارض للانسان وقد خلقنا الارض للانسان والشمس والقمر يسجدان if i still remember correctly yeah because God created humans as his best creation, as his biggest creation, actually. And a lot of people do not realize that. A lot of people don't understand what it means that you, out of all people, you, out of all creatures that God created, including demons, including God, angels, including spirits, including monsters even. God created you and gave you the power to be better or to look better or to feel better for God. Because what Islam means, what the word of Islam means, it means surrender. Was taslim. Except Islam, the word, the correct explanation of the word is hmm, is surrendering in a sense of conviction being devoted solely and fully to said creator whoever he may be now that that is something that I love about Islam and I know because not a lot of people hear me say that I love Islam, but yes. Because here's the thing. Let's say, for example, I was born in Christianity and all I read was incest. God is an asshole. He hated gay. He hated pork. He hated wine. Which, here's the thing. It is also said in Islam. But it is said in the sense of it is against the human nature. For example, if you ate pork or if you drank wine, first off, if you drank wine, you will not be able to pray because literally your brain is going to be a doozy, which is something that we know of even before it was established that it was actual alcohol. Now, if you were in heaven, would you drink wine? Yes. Actually, it is allowed. And a lot of people don't know that. I will come a day where I will be talking about Islam. I might actually do it in 
one of these type of episodes probably probably not but yes and this is something that a lot of people don't know and I'm, I'm mad because if you want to be curious about something please 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 read other religions <coughs> try not to force yourself into one without reading about it this is my biggest pet peeve and believe me <coughs> I have helped other people becoming Muslims it's not the first time so I know what it's like although I have to correct my own Islam with myself and God because I've been missing out <laughs> I actually been missing Islam my Islam how I used to do it so yeah now I'll see you later and I'm tired <laughs> but yes hope you have a good day good night good dusk or as in my case a good maghrib and I'll see you later see ya bye